0: All right. Unless the Holy Spirit takes us a different direction, I've tentatively named this. The kingdom is not a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Eureka. Back in the day, and it's probably really before my time, there were a lot of door-to-door vacuum salesmen, I guess. Hoover or something. You've done it before. So there there uh, there was this idea of sales. When I went into sales, I was uh, most of you guys know my story. I'll try to give you the quick version. I was a little punk kid, troublemaker. <laughs> uh, got in trouble, dropped out of high school, started working at a plant temporarily. Stayed there for 18 years temporarily. <laughs> and uh, after I got saved, God gave me a, a bit of revelation that I was worth something. Um, I never really thought I was, especially in the workplace because I, did, I wasn't very well educated. And, and uh, But he really gave me a, a really sense of you know i'm i 'm the son of the Father in heaven and and i can do I can do some good things and so I began to look for another job i thought well this is this is just a basically like a labor job i just i mean I would load pallets all day is all I would do for years for probably eight years. And I was like, you know maybe I can do something better and uh nothing wrong with labor jobs it was just I just felt like I was called to do something else um, i didn 't know I'd be pastoring eventually, but I was called to do something else and and uh so I started looking for another job, and my boss. I took note and, and, or somebody told him that I was looking. I didn't I didn't know somebody was going to tell him. And he said, well, maybe you can get a different position. So it led me to a, a manager position over department. Um, and I really liked it. And I took that department and made some changes, the only way I knew how, and really helped the company and helped my department and helped the employees and really enjoyed it. And then I was asked if I wanted to go into outside sales, because I'd done such a good job in there if I would want to go into outside sales, that there was a lot more money to be made in outside sales from what they told me. And I was like... All I know of salesmen is that they're slimy. <laughs> like, I, my immediate thought was, no, I don't want to do that because I'm not pushy. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have that personality. I don't think that I have that personality. Maybe I am. But I'm, I, don't, I don't like to try to force people to do things or try to push people to, to make decisions like that. But there were a couple uh, Christian guys, too, that were salesmen. One was out of town and one was in town who ended up being my industrial sales manager at the time who taught me and I talked to them and I asked them because I didn't have you know a, a physical dad to talk to so I prayed and then I asked for, for good godly advice from other Christian men that I knew <clears throat> and these two were both in sales and so I asked them about it I said what do you think and then both of them told me yeah you can you can do a good job and you can help your customers and you, can, you don't have to be a slimy salesman you can be a good salesman and, and I think you would be good at it they had dealt with me for years on inside sales so they knew kind of my personality and they, both of them said they think that I would be really very good so I took the leap, jumped out, went outside. They gave me a company car and started doing outside sales. And it took me a little while to gain my bearings because I think the default setting for all of us is, <laughs> which if it's your paycheck, you have to sell, right? You have to do the job so that you can get paid. <clears throat> so it took me a while to kind of find my niche, if you want, if you, if you will, to where I realized that it, I, can, I can sell service. I can sell my service. I don't have to sell just things that people don't need. I can recognize what people need and help them what ended up helping me more at, the, at this company was I was selling paint was the primary focus, coatings, industrial coatings, but I had come from, a, a, I don't want to bore you with details, but I just want to get you, kind of get you caught up. I'd come from the spray department, which worked on the equipment, and I really like equipment. I'd worked on cars my whole life. I like tinkering with things. I like fixing things. I like the equipment side more than just paint's paint. Um, but what got me paint sales was I knew equipment. I could go in there and I could help them with their equipment and their stuff wasn't set up correctly. I could help them set it up correctly. And then they would buy paint from me. It was almost like I didn't have to sell paint. It just kind of sold itself. And then, um, some changes happened. It was about three years. I did well all three years. Um, several salesmen and I, I made it all the way up to like number three of the other two. I was the third salesman, top salesman there. And it was all just because I helped customers and then they just wanted to buy more things from me. Uh, and so then some management changed. Uh, the company I was with began to kind of have a, a bit of a downward decline in some areas. Uh, they were going a different direction than I was. I panicked because I didn't know anything else. This is all I've ever done in my whole life. Really got stressed out. Tracy said, I don't care if you work at McDonald's, but you got to quit this job because I can't deal with you anymore. Um, and finally, I, I, I made the leap. And another great story that God worked it out it was a guy that I'd met years ago at, at school was working on a similar project, like it was just all God-ordained stuff, and so they're looking for somebody down here, and it's just equipment, you don't sell paint anymore, and I was like, that sounds good, and the company I was with, originally, everything we sold was based on price, you just had to have the lowest price, basically, basically everyone would shop everything, you just had to beat prices for the most part, I sold some on service, but most of it was priced. This company, and I'm with currently, is on the front line of everything, as far as technology goes, and what everybody's looking for, and what everybody needs, and what everybody wants. We're on the front line, so people call us looking for stuff. I don't have to go out necessarily. I'll do some cold calling. but For the most part, people are looking for what we have, and they need it, and they want it, and we're trained. They call us equipment specialists instead of salespeople because we're trained in the things that we sell. So not many people are actually qualified to sell what we sell, so there's only a few people, and when somebody calls the manufacturer, the manufacturer sends them to us. Does that make sense? We're the distributor. We don't make anything. We just sell things. So we buy from a company that makes something. We mark it up and we sell it to the customer. That's it. That's all we do. But we provide a service and we train and we help people while we do it. Well, this past week, uh, got, I had to go to more training. I go to training all the time in Atlanta. And I missed you guys Wednesday night. I wanted to be here, but I have a job and they pay me. So we, we, uh, I had to go to Atlanta. I went to Atlanta for some training. And the whole time, um, and some of you heard a little bit of this spiel because it's very similar to what I've, I've talked about before. But the whole time... Um, they just talk about how much and we've seen it, we've sold we've sold equipment that have saved people 60 and 70 percent mostly in waste savings. So we'll go into a customer or a customer will come to us looking for this equipment and we'll present it and say, okay, if this will do what it says it'll do, will you buy it? And most of them will say, Well, yeah, if you can save us forty to fifty percent in waste savings of of the coatings that we use, we'll buy it. Most of the time we save even more than that, 60 or 70 percent on the last one that we installed. So 60, 70 percent in waste savings. The return on investment, I don't, I don't want to get anybody lost, but the return on investment was like four months. That's huge. So basically they buy this piece of equipment, it's $200,000, and they make all that money back in two months or four months. And now, they're, now that amount of money that they spent, now they're making that much more. Now what we discovered is not only does that save them money, but the last company that we did was a huge cabinet shop and we sold them some equipment. And they, not only do we save them a ton in, in, in uh, waste savings because they have to have all, all the thinner and stuff hauled off, but then they realized that because of the type of equipment we sold them, they can switch colors so quickly they don't have to batch things. So now they can switch colors on the fly, and that saved them a whole third shift of overtime employees that they don't have to pay. They took that shift off, and now they're producing 86 more cabinets per day. So on top of the savings, they're also doing that. So it, it, it multiplied. We weren't even trying. We, we didn't even tell them. We, you know. They told us, hey, check this out. <laughs> We're saving even that much more money. So they're making their RI, The other one was four months. Their I was two months. I mean that's radical normally ROIs are a year, two years, three years these are months so everything we're doing is getting more and more efficient more and more efficient and easier to work with so I say that, I know that. I hope I didn't bore any of you to sleep yet it's coming, you probably will I say that to say these systems that we sell we all benefit from there's, it's, there's no lose it's all win-win the manufacturer gets paid because we buy it we market up, we get paid and the customer gets paid on the, on the long run Everybody wins. And a lot of times that's hard for us to think about. Somebody's got to lose, right? The customer paid for it. Well, yeah, they did, but they got paid back. They got paid back quickly. And then now they're making more money than they were before, more efficiently and in better, safer environments usually. So everybody in the process wins. I started looking, as I'm sitting in these, in these two or three very boring PowerPoint presentations and then go through some pretty good classes, I started thinking about how we've treated the gospel in the past, some of the most intense sales training were some discipleship classes I took. And what happens is I get the mindset of a salesman is like the slimy salesman trying to sell you a Corvette when you need a minivan. <laughs> like, no, you need this. This is good. You can fit the car seat sideways in here. <laughs> this is what you need. What, what, can I do, what, what can I do to get you in this car today? Have you all been a part of, of a sales person like that? I'm trying to force you to get something that you don't want or you may not even need. And we've treated the gospel like that, like we've got to f- push it to people. Like we're we're selling something, right? And, and and I can't tell you how many times that has not been very well received. <laughs> Duh. Why would it not? We've got a poor we've got a. I think we've got a poor opinion of our father, and so when we express that to other people, they get a poor opinion of him. When we have a poor opinion of the kingdom, and we try to sell it, we're not selling the kingdom. We're selling our version of it. It's not for sale. It's free. <laughs> Fred and I talked about it this morning. Listen, not everybody's willing to listen, but some are. Listen, I I have opportunities all the time. Just recently, and I don't want to get into too much detail, detail. just recently I had an opportunity, complete, God-ordained moment that should, for all practical purposes, shouldn't have even happened. Ran into somebody I hadn't seen in years. They kind of unfold their life story and struggles that they're dealing with. And all I know to do is give them the gospel in a way that they can understand it. I start talking about, and I'm not just spouting out Christian ease. I'm talking about his problems that he's dealing with. And I'm talking about the solutions that I've seen that work. And, it all, and I kept telling him, I was like, I'm not trying to sound too kooky here. <laughs> but this is what I've seen work, and it's a whole paradigm shift. Listen, what we need to know as Christians in here is you carry the answer to everyone's problems. Think about that for a minute. You carry the answer to everyone's problems. Because the problems they have that they're seeing are on the surface. The real problem, that's not their problems. That's the results of their problems. That's the manifestation of what's going on inside them. You have somebody that's struggling with with alcohol. They say they're an alcoholic. You're not an alcoholic. (laughs) Rick, you remember, I've heard you say that. I'm not an alcoholic. When you say you're an alcoholic, you're identifying as something. Now, do you struggle with alcohol? Obviously, if there's an addiction, there's something going on. I'm not ignoring these things. Uh, We can name off. These are easy targets, but... Pornography. I'm addicted to this, or this is. I'm um, I'm I'm filthy. I'm dirty, or, or whatever it is that we label ourselves with. What I was What I was telling this guy. And I, I'm not going to get into details. Is listen. If you identify with with your decisions, then you're saying that that's what defines you. What defines you is who you are. <laughs> I can try to convince you that I'm something that I'm not, but the truth is, I'm Justin. I'm Wakiza Justin Benoit. If you didn't know my first name, that's my first name. <laughs> I'm Wakiza, and I don't know why people, every time I, people that don't know that and I introduce it, they bust out laughing, and I don't, it doesn't bother me, but I think, why do you think it's okay that you laugh at my name? It's a funny name. It's a funny name. <laughs> Maybe that's why. It's different. It's different. It is, it's, it's, and if kids weren't so mean, I would have kept it, because I think it's a cool name. Yeah. The kids were mean. It means uh, determined warrior. Uh, it's an Indian, Indian name. Cherokee, Choctaw, I don't know. Cajun. Cajun. I don't think I have any Indian in me. My dad just did a lot of drugs. But uh, it's true. We can laugh at my pain. But he did. My mom's actually here today. He made her name me. She didn't want to name me that. She wanted to name me Luke. Yeah, Luke Justin. There you go. And she did it. But... She listened on that. She didn't listen to abort me, which was good. We can... I'll take Wakiza. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. I'm here because of her. There you go. Because God, God spoke to her. I don't want to get off on that tangent. Anyway, so we, <laughs> the kingdom's not a vacuum cleaner. You don't have to push to sell this thing. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to convince people it's what they need. It's what they need. What we need to do is identify that there's something deeper in lying that, that is, is making its way to the surface. These are the symptoms. <laughs> and doctors, a lot of doctors hate me. I don't go to doctors very often. but When I do, they really get frustrated with me. Tracy doesn't like to go with me because I ask too many questions. And I'll ask them, is this going to heal me? Is this, this going to fix me? <laughs> and I'm cheap also. Is this going to fix me? <laughs> Frugal. Frugal is a better word. If this, is this going to fix me or is this just, just going to treat the symptoms until my body fixes whatever it is? Because if it's just treating the symptoms, I'll... I will not pay for your medicine. I'll suffer through it. You know what I mean? Unless it's real bad, then I'll pay for your medicine. If it's kidney stones, I'll pay for your medicine. (laughs) Chris Chris knows. (laughs) Chris was there. I will give you anything. Just make the pain go away. But certain things I'll ask, what is this this doing? What is this treating? Is it fixing the problem or is it just hiding it while something else happens? This is what happens when we try to treat the gospel like it's just a Band-Aid instead of an actual solution, instead of actual surgery, heart surgery, or something someone needs. When we begin to treat symptoms, this is how grace and law usually combat too, is we try to treat outward behavior or symptoms, and all that does is just a a temporary buffer. It holds back a little bit, and it can seem like it's working pretty well temporarily, but it it will always come to an end. It will always fail because you can't, it's like trimming hedges or trimming grass or trimming weeds. If you don't pull it by the root, it's just going to keep growing back. All these issues that we deal with that we call sin and that we, we think are so big and powerful, they're all just symptoms. And I've said it before, sin is, a, sin is just a shortcut to a desire that God has put in your heart that is a, a good thing. That's why fruit is good, but fake fruit is bad. Fruit is good. Eat fruit. Fruit is good. Fake fruit looks good. You want it. You desire it. You take a bite and it's poison. That's what sin is. If, if you need to get drunk to take the edge off, Holy Spirit, you have a natural desire to have peace to be calm and to have fun right what does that do when and and i've been drunk before in the past and i i I want to make a disclaimer on easter i said many of you remember i went back and listened tracy said you said you were drunk and i was like no i didn't i said people think i'm drunk because i'm so happy she's like no you didn't you said you were drunk And i went back and listened to the podcast and it did sound like i said i was drunk she's like i kept waiting for you to say in the spirit so Easter, the big Easter, when we're packed out and we have visitors, the pastor says, and when I'm drunk, we weed out the legalists, I guess. So Anyway, so we, uh, right on the jump, we'll just, all right, don't judge me. We, uh, we, we treat the symptoms, man, I went off on a tangent there. Where was I? What was I just talking about? Being happy. Being happy. The reason you have, the desire is good. Don't we all want Peace. Don't we all want to don't want to have anxiety? What does it do when we when if if any of and most of you I know have never gotten to that place? <laughs> what does it do when you begin to get a buzz or when you begin to get drunk or something? You lose your inhibitions a bit. You settle down and you can maybe dance or you can maybe talk a little more freely. This is what the Holy Spirit does all the time with no side effects. Listen, I don't want to get too detailed here, but I will. Maybe I do. Listen, God wants you to have, try to. there's some kids in here. God wants you to have a healthy marriage. There are desires that you have that aren't bad desires. They're not, and you shouldn't think that they're bad desires. But I know from experience, if you, I'm trying to choose my words wisely here. If you have unfulfilling, several unfulfilling relationships intimately with several different people, it will leave you broken. I know. I've been there. It's not fulfilling temporarily it may be, but in the long run it's not. That's all sin is. Sin is just us trying to shortcut something because we don't trust that the Father has it for us. That's all it is. When people, when I say that you've got the solution to everybody's problems, you have the solution to everybody's problems. You may not know how to dissect every little detailed problem that everybody has because we're all different, we all struggle with different things. But you know the solution to them. That's why I say that sin didn't keep, and Buddy posted that the other day, so brought that to mind. Sin doesn't keep, Jesus on the cross. It's, sins, sin is not that intimidating. To us it feels like it is, but it's not to God. When God sees sin, he says, look, I see the desire you have, and I want to feel that desire because I feel, what, all things and all, in every way. He is the fulfillment. He says, I've died to, not just so that you could defeat. He defeated sin for us, but so that you could have an abundant life, a fulfilling life now, not just can't wait to die and go to heaven, Let's hide in a corner. No, he died so that you have a fulfilling life now so that the solution rests in you and that solution is the Holy Spirit. All right, that was a long introduction. John 20, 21 says, uh, and I'm gonna read out of NIV the whole time, I think. Yeah, NIV, I won't jump around. I know it's kind of hard to keep up with me sometimes because I like Eugene Peterson. I've been reading NIV, um, a little bit of New King James and then Eugene Peterson's message. Um, and I like all three of them, but I, I default to NIV because that's what I learned when I got saved. I don't care what version you have. I mean, I care, but... Again, I care about you. Again, Jesus said, peace... John twenty twenty one. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive their sins, they are not forgiven. We've talked about this about two or three times within the last month or so. Um... I'm chugging this stuff. Thank you. Refill. It's allergies. Now I'm going to finish it. This is both (laughs) minds. Take my water. i got to drink normal water. All right. Um, I've talked about this a few times because I think it's so important, especially with the disciples because they were scared. They were shaking in their boots and they were hiding. Jesus walked through a wall and then went, (laughs) said, you guys have the Holy Spirit. Now you can go and forgive sins. And what we need to see is he gives us power. When we carry the Holy Spirit places, we change atmospheres when we go in those places. We say, I always say our circumstances don't define us. They don't because we change our circumstances because now we carry something that is greater than our circumstances. We're limited physically on this earth. But because Jesus died and went to the Father and came back, when he came back to live in us, he gave us a direct line. When the the scripture that says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, I think that's King James, but... uh, I think NIV is powerful and effective. Prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Do you think God listens to Jesus' prayers? Do you think Jesus' prayers work? Is Jesus righteous? That's who lives inside you. So when you pray, you're praying. He's praying on your behalf. He's our advocate with the Father, right? So when you pray, things are happening. Now, you don't always see those in the physical because this is, we're in a bit of a different realm here. But those things begin to manifest the more you the more you realize that you're living from a different place than you are now. That's why he says we're we're kind of aliens in a foreign land. We're walking, talking little Christs. <laughs> this is why uh, I lo- I think I don't remember who said it, but it was it was Bill Johnson, Reinhardt Bonkey or somebody said, uh, you know, if the devil would have known that uh that if they killed Jesus that he would come back and live in everybody, they would have never killed him. <laughs> he was just in one place at one time, then now he's all over the place. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, what have I done? Yeah, I know. I know it. And so now he's saying, now if you go and forgive people's sins, their sins are forgiven. Wait. Who? Us? Now we have the power to forgive sins? If you, if you have Jesus with you, you do. Why? Because the moment that you speak it and they believe it, it happens. It's, it's now a reality. When, when we speak, the Holy Spirit goes out. When I talked to that guy the other day, we talked for an hour and a half. the whole time I was thinking, I can't convince him, I can't convince him that my way is the right way, but every word that I speak, because of the Holy Spirit I carry is going in, and it, whether he receives it and it grows, that's not on me. I'm just casting seed. And every word that I go, every, every word that I speak to him that's, that is from the Holy Spirit carries kingdom power, and that's, that's, that's gone. That's with him now. Now I can go and do the same thing with someone else. I may water it. I may run into him again. I tell him, call me if you need anything, Man, if there's anything I can help you with. If not, someone else will be there to water it. I don't know who's going to run into him next. God does. Yeah, so we we carry this power, and now we say, okay, (laughs) when we speak it, things happen. When we speak it and the Holy Spirit goes, the kingdom invades that area. And it's not because we're clever, because... I'm not that clever. I mean, I'm clever. I'm not that clever. <laughs> I can't convince everybody that my way is right and you know, like their way is wrong. There's, like, there's got to be somebody to lose in this argument. I don't need to do that. Listen, if there's anything that you get from this, take the stress off. Grace, Grace will free you up from so much time because you're not trying to gain something that you already have. I'm telling you, grace will give you opportunities to speak to people where you thought you never could before because you thought it was up to you to work your way up to it. That's ridiculous. I'm I'm going off on a tangent. All right, let's back up. This is John John twenty twenty one. We're going to back up to John thirteen before this ever happened. We're going to we're going to go back and see what God said He was going to do before He did it. John thirteen three says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, and that He had come from God and was turning to God. So He got up from the meal, took a man, this is powerful, took off His outer clothing and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that He wrapped around Him. What was Jesus' response to knowing that he had all power and authority from the Father? What, what did he do as soon as he realized that he had all power and authority from the Father? He washed his disciples' feet. He began to serve and love people. Jesus was the picture, was the prototype for us. He was the one that demonstrated to us that it's not just God, but God and man together can do things that are, are completely radical and sometimes backwards to our, the way we see things. They didn't see a king that washed feet. They didn't see that in the physical realm. But he was showing them how the kingdom works. And the kingdom love leads. He said, look, Jesus said, I, I have all power and authority from the Father. I'm a son, and I'm confident in that. He didn't go run around and say, I thought a He-Man. I have the power. Anybody remember He-Man? He didn't run around like He-Man. He calmly got up. And washes his disciples' feet. Picture, just imagine that. The shirt off his back too. Yeah. Completely vulnerable, on his hands and knees, washing some fishermen's feet. These were not well-educated men. Most of them were literate, if not all. Jesus is demonstrating. Think about this. He is demonstrating how his kingdom works. He's showing them. This is important because we have to understand, we talked about last week, hearing from the Holy Spirit. We cannot negate this Holy Spirit. This book talks about him. That's all it talks about is Jesus. This Bible is so important because of who it reveals, not just because of what it says. Because if we read all this as a historic book and that's all we get out of it, then we've, we've got some really good, well, we don't really. We've got some really confusing moral teachings. <laughs> I don't even say moral. We've got some confusing teachings if it's not supernatural. I'll stop with that. All right. John 14, 1. Jesus to his, talking to his disciples, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me where you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. (laughs) So I love that. Lord, we don't know where you're, we don't know what you're talking about. You're saying this stuff, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. (laughs) I love that. I love the, just the honesty in it. We don't know the way. <laughs> and Jesus answered, I am the way. Listen, stop here. When, if you step outside, if, if you can fathom stepping outside of time and space for a moment and not looking at geographical locations here, this is why it's confusing. What if I came up and said, I, I am the way? You'd be like, what? Way where? Where are you going? You're Justin. You're not the way anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but think about that for a minute. This is what Jesus tell telling them. No, I'm the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? That doesn't make any, like logically that doesn't make any sense and they're asking him, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're the way? I don't understand that because I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> I love it. He just said that. Jesus just said, you'll know the Father, and you you and you do know him, and you have seen him. Lord, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Philip, you're killing me. <laughs> he didn't say that. That's, that's me. That's what I said. Philip, you are killing me, man. <laughs> Jesus said, don't you know me? <laughs> Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? In, remember this word. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living, where? In me who is doing this work, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that, what? I am in the Father. (laughs) It's like, okay, Philip, I'm going to break this down for you. (laughs) Let's think about this word in. (laughs) I'm going to say it about 30 times, but just bear with me. Who's doing work, believe me when I say I'm in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. What did he demonstrate to them? Listen, this is the Father's heart for you, that I love you. I care for you guys. I'm not just trying to teach you something. I want you to know that I care for you. I said during worship, there would be nothing to Nothing could stand in my way to get to my kids. If I knew that there was something separating us, then I would do everything in my power to get to them. This is what Jesus is trying to demonstrate to them. I want to be close to you all the time. Not just every once in a while. I want to be close to you all the time. He's saying, listen, have you not seen the evidence themselves? Look, look, at, look at the way that I touch people. Look at how I speak and they react. Look at how the kingdom invades the, your world. Every time I touch someone or I speak to someone, I say that they're not, they're not dead; they're just sleeping. Were they sleeping or were they dead? It doesn't matter. I say they're they're sleeping, so now they're awake, because the moment he said it, it happened. Very truly, verse twelve. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for. Anything in my name, and I will do it. Listen, what should our prayers look like? Thankful prayers. They should also be powerful prayers. If we've got access to the Father, and and we're we're intimidated, we're intimidated by the way that we pray, or we're intimidated by anything. Why? Our prayers should be powerful. They should be a little bit illogical sometimes. We should be able to, to stretch a little bit and say, okay, I I know that I'm limited in power, but I know that I have access to something, someone that's supernatural. And not only do I have access, but he says right here, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. That's, that's a powerful truth. Verse 15. Now he keeps these things in order. Remember this. One, if you love me, two, keep my commands. He doesn't say keep my commands and then you'll love me. Or the other way, keep my commands and I'll love you. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. What are Jesus' commands? Anybody? They're not Moses' commands. <laughs> These are Jesus' commands. He's saying, if you, you hear my teaching of grace through faith in me and believing in me, you will produce this love that I've given you. So if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you there it is again and I will not leave you as orphans listen to that I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I because I live you also will live on that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you yeah hang on Let's get a mic. I did a word study on this chapter one time, and I discovered that in the Greek, the word keep is guard, and the word commandment is prescription. So it's like Jesus is the prescription, and you need to guard that truth in your life. Oh, that's good. That's good. That goes back to the whole doctor analogy too. I'll have to process that a little bit. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So he does the work. He, he demonstrates that he shows himself to them. Then Judas said, here we go again. <laughs> but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Listen, that's not what he said. Judas is misunderstood here. And Jesus puts, puts it back in proper context and proper order. Jesus, Jesus replied, what does he say? Anyone. He's not just saying you disciples. He's, he's showing them either you believe or you don't. If you don't, you won't see him. If you do, you will. That's all he's saying. He's saying, listen, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Present tense. Present tense he will be with you anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings pretty basic right these words you hear are not my own they belong to the father who sent me all this i've spoken all of this i've spoken while still with you but the advocate listen to this verse 25 but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i've said to you peace i leave with you my peace I give you. This is what we talked about last week. I do not give, I do not give to you as the world gives to you. He doesn't give you the, the world's peace like a vacation or a sunset. He gives you eternal peace. He's saying, listen, my peace I give you, eternal peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is important. Verse twenty five. He says, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Listen, they. Most of these guys were uneducated fishermen, and they, they, they couldn't even read. Please hear me clearly. I'm not discounting the scriptures. The scriptures all testify of Jesus, and I believe every one of them. But we need a Holy Spirit to reveal that to us all the time. And I say that from experience. I'm 41, and I've seen, I've seen people that are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, be led in ways that didn't make any sense. I've seen people who had Down syndrome come up and pray for somebody, and, and, and me specifically, and, and just powerful. Listen, I've seen some of the most educated people spout shame and guilt and death to people and cut them down and push them as far away from God I, and I've seen everything in between I'm not trying to just paint a picture that this is the only two scenarios what I'm saying is the thing that's so important about us listening to the Holy Spirit is that the most uneducated uneducated blah, 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 me can receive it <laughs> the most uneducated person can receive it and the most educated person can receive it and everyone in between if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we listen to the Holy Spirit then he will 'Cause this is and, and and I don't know about you, but as a pastor I hear from a lot of people, especially new Christians, they'll say, I don't understand. Have y'all ever heard that? I read the Bible and I just don't get it. Have y'all ever heard that? I just I, I want to read. I know that something happened to me. I know I'm saved. But I don't I read the scriptures and I just don't I don't understand what they're talking. I don't understand it. And I I had the same thing. Part of what helped me understand on a on a on a just a logical level. Was a, it was like a teen Bible that had a, it was like a study Bible, and it would tell me what was going on in context in those days, because I don't plant plants. I don't know anything about sowing and reaping. I didn't even know what sowing and reaping was. I thought you, you sow something, and then you reap it. <laughs> My grandma, I took home ec and home ec too. I made boxers with hearts on them, and I made a baseball bat, and I hit people with it. I only took home ec because it was closer to the lunchroom, because I wanted to get be first in line to eat. No lie. I had an elective and I found the one that was closest and it was Home ec. And I got made fun of, but that's where all the ladies were, though. I ain't playing. I don't know why I'm telling you all that. Sewing and reaping. All I knew. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where I was going with that. It's because sewing and reaping, because I lived with my grandmother for a while and she sewed and she had a reaper. And I remember reading that and I was like, okay, sewing and reaping. What's that got to do with anything? I don't know. What I'm, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. What I'm saying is, we don't. sometimes we don't understand in the language. That's why I do like Eugene Peterson's version. It's not just a paraphrase. If you go back and look how he studied it, and I don't agree with him on everything, but he did a good job of studying the Greek and the language, because even the word world, I looked up world, and I could get into that, but I don't have time. Um, the world had three different, there was cosmos, and I, I'm not going to get into it now, but our language is not as deep and colorful as the language that was written. And so, uh, that's what I do like about some of the message version. If you get a chance to read it in parallel, um, or just read it sometimes, it's really good. It really gives you a better representation of the of the heart behind what's going on, and I love that because that's what I feel like is most important. When I speak to people, especially outside the church, you know, if I if I just grab my Bible and begin to preach to them, a lot of people that will turn them off. Not everybody. Some people receive it, but I've been I've been more effective in speaking to people in in a language that they can understand in a way that they can understand in Analogies and, and different things that they can understand. It's the same heart. It's the same heart behind the scriptures that I want for them. And I'm not, I'm not just leading them astray into some false theology. I'm, I'm pretty confident in what I believe and what I've read in the scriptures. I don't have to be intimidated by that. And we say, well, how do we know it's the Holy Spirit, not us? How do we not get led off into some false doctrine or some bad teaching? Do, do you think the Holy Spirit's not big enough to tell us that? Hey, stop it. You're being stupid. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit's led me to that. I've gotten, I, I, and I've told you all this. I'm trying not to go too long, but I've told you all this before. I tried. I had a pretty good debate going with a good friend of mine who claims to be an atheist. He's just waiting to get saved. He'll be saved soon. He claims to be an atheist, and we debate back and forth. And I always try to back off when we get to arguing because I'm like, I'm not trying to win an argument. I really want him to know the Lord. <clears throat> but there was a time in my life, it has been years ago, and it was partially C.S. Lewis' fault, because they're not easy reads, and I was reading some C.S. Lewis, and in the, in the midst of that, I tried to take myself um, best I could, look at Christianity objectively from his perspective so that I could, in, with good intentions, so that I could help him. Well, in doing so, I began to doubt, and I began to think, well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe, maybe I'm, and I'm just being real with you guys, it's like maybe, maybe I've been convinced of something. Maybe I had some emotional issues from when I was a kid, and somebody just convinced me this was the way to go to go to church and to do all this stuff. Maybe something didn't really happen. Well, that was a miserable... I don't know if you remember that. It was a miserable probably six months to a year maybe. I don't know how long it was. Trying to be something that I wasn't. I'm telling you, it doesn't take long and the Holy Spirit will... This happened to me and I don't think think the Holy Spirit made me sick, but I got a stomach bug. (laughs) I don't know if he did or not. But I remember being on that bathroom floor thinking, okay, I see now. (laughs) It wasn't that he was making me suffer, but it got me in a place where I was away from everything that I was trying to study and figure out logically and it got me to a place where I was just hearing from the Holy Spirit. I hope that none of you have a stomach bug. This just happened to be the place that he spoke to me <laughs> with my head on the cold floor. And, uh, and it was just, it was as clear as day. He said, listen, you can't get out of this thing. <laughs> I did all this and you can't get out of it. And I mean, it, it was, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was, it was, he began to show me. Piece by piece by piece, everything that happened in my life and everything that He did, that there was no way that I could have been convinced. There was absolutely no way that I could have done any of that on my own. Many of you know my testimony, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but there is absolutely no logical way any of those things could have happened without God being involved. And the Holy Spirit brought me back to that place. I didn't have to be convinced of it. He told me. Because he's with me <laughs> and he's with you. Listen, the voices in your head, he'll identify those. <laughs> He'll say, no, that's not me. Trust him. The Holy Spirit's good. We've got to see, I keep saying the same thing over and over again. We have to know that we have something in order to give it away. <laughs> we have to know that we carry something in order to, to be able to help people's problems because if it's just if it's just our ability to do it, you may be able to help somebody temporarily, but long term it's going to be very difficult to sustain that kind of thing because you're not Jesus. Real quick, I've got a few scriptures and then we'll wrap up. Um, Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit. Do you see the difference? We're not trying to convince you of something so that you can get it in your heart. The Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, and it renews your mind. Do you see how it works? And that's an outward thing, not inward. When the Holy Spirit comes to rest in our heart. Now we have something that we can now be renewed every day in our mind of what we have. We need to be renewed that we're righteous. We need to be renewed that we're loved. We need to be renewed that, that Holy Spirit is with us and can actually speak and help us to, to, to bring revelation of these scriptures to life so that we can help other people, so that we can be just like Christ demonstrated. And we go, okay, now we carry power. Wow, we carry power. Now go wash somebody's feet. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives where In you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Uh, Dawn brought this up one Wednesday, and I love this scripture. It's kind of stuck with me for the last few weeks. It's John 5.36. It says, This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form nor does his word dwell in you for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Listen, if the law had the power to make you righteous, and to bring you back to God, it, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. But we do. And what happens in that great transaction is that we are now, we now have, there's now no condemnation. <laughs> so we approach, when we approach the throne, when we, when we cross any kind of barrier that between this life and that life, we approach it boldly. Listen, that should be the way we approach everything in our lives, unintimidated and completely boldly, completely boldly. Well, that's probably not good sentence structure. Completely bold. So you carry, what? you carry right now, you carry life. You carry eternal life. What does everyone need? Life. You carry power. You carry abundant life. You carry eternal life. You carry real life. This is what people need. People need to see that in you. How do we demonstrate it? How do we demonstrate the gospel? Do we sell it? Do we try to convince people that it's the right way and their way is the wrong way? That tactic never worked for me. I do enjoy arguing with people sometimes when they're trying to sell me something because I know the tactics. But that doesn't work. And usually if it does, somebody's selling you something you don't need. <laughs> just like a Corvette instead of a minivan if you have a family. They're trying to sell you a religion. They're trying to sell you a, a process which would be any other religion in the world. That if you do this, then this will happen. Christianity is the only religion that depends on one person to do everything for us. And that's Jesus. So we sang that song about we're satisfied in him. And I know that if, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, whatever, pornography, alcohol, whatever it is, that may seem like a, a trite statement, but I'm telling you from experience, he will satisfy everything that you have, and he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. The desire that you have, and here's the key, here's the key. There are desires that we have that are not bad desires, but they're perverted in sin. They're taken out of they're taken outside of a trust in God for Him to supply those for us, and we shortcut the Holy Spirit because we're not patient. And every time we do that, we end up <laughs> with an illegitimate child. <laughs> we we give birth to trouble and turmoil because we do something on our own without depending on the Father to do it receive freely, give freely. We say we're an R&D church. We receive and we distribute. It's a win-win-win. Just like the di- distributor deal. God gives us something, we give it to other people. God's happy, we're happy, they're happy. It's not difficult to sell something that sells itself. <laughs> it's the answer to everyone's problems. And when you speak it to them, speak it freely. You don't have to convince them that it's the right way. You just demonstrate it to them in the way that you act, the way you treat them, the way you love them. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If He gives you a scripture to give them, give them a scripture. If He gives you what the Holy Holy Spirit is leading you through the same thing, boldly give it to them. If you know that this person is timid, take it easy. Don't push. Take your time. Get to know them. Walk with them. Talk with them. It's what Jesus did. He didn't send us a text message from outer space. He said, I'm going to come and be with you, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to demonstrate to you how this thing works. So you're walking and talking kingdom carriers. And when you speak, the Holy Spirit goes with it, and the kingdom invades every space that you speak into. And things happen. You may never see the result of it, and that's okay. Keep speaking it. The cool thing is you will see some, and it will blow your mind. (laughs) It will absolutely blow your mind. I got one more page, but I'll wait till next week. Stand up with me. My wife tells my kids every every day, well, the one kid she takes to school, what do you say? Be the light? Be the sunshine. Be the sunshine. You don't know what your smile could mean to somebody today. I always talk about waitresses because we eat out a lot, because we live far away from here, and we do a lot of stuff in West Mobile Church and activities. Listen, you're the people that serve you. Pray for them, check on them, see how they're doing, treat them right, tip them well. Father, we love you. We praise you. Uh, thank you for your word, and Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that quickens that word in us, Lord, that we can go out and we can speak the truth to people. And that truth sets them free. Lord, we know that we know the solution to everyone's problems. <laughs> and it's not just the the surfacey stuff, it's not just the results of what's going on inside them, but we have the solution to what's really going inside them. And it's you. It is you. And so Jesus, we just thank you that that we can just take a deep breath and relax. <laughs> that you've paid for it all. Lord, that the sin was not intimidating to you and it shouldn't be intimidating to us. So Lord when it comes up and we're tempted because we are still tempted and when it comes up and we're tempted that we submit that to you and we go hey here's this thing again I need you to do something with it. <laughs> and Lord you've always been gracious to do it and you've never said no there's too much distance here. You've always been right there with me. Lord thank you for the opportunity to to come in this place and worship with others that, that just love you and seek you and and appreciate everything that you've done. So Father, we just thank you for your grace, for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.